When you retire at the end of this September 2nd and wake up the next morning, please check the calendar to ensure you did not skip ahead to September 14th. For today marks the day in 1752 when Great Britain's adoption of the Gregorian calendar went into effect and everyone's schedule was adjusted. 11 days simply disappeared. Will we ever again have such a day? And is there any chance a time machine could dislodge what vanished? It is doubtful that any answers to those questions will be made available in this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I'm still not sure if I've ever made the adjustment. On today's program, the Charlottesville School Board gets an update on the reconfiguration project and learns of cost increases. Amtrak announces ridership increases on Virginia Finance train service across the Commonwealth. A new podcast from the UVA School of Data Sciences seeks to demystify the subject. The Bureau of Labor Statistics releases its latest employment figures, and the area's transportation decision-making body agrees to trim back the scope of a funded suite of improvements at US-29 and Hydraulic Road. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Rivanna Trail turns 30 this year. And to mark the occasion, the Rivanna Trail Foundation is throwing a party the weekend of September 24th. It's also the annual Loop de Ville, which is being expanded this year. That Saturday is National Public Lands Day, and if you want to walk the 20-mile loop of the Rivanna Trail or take place in a run of the circuit, go ahead and register now. What about a mountain bike ride? The first 25 registrants for each of these events will get free admission to that night's Rivanna Roots concert at the Rivanna River Company. Visit rivannatrails.org to learn more about what's happening on Sunday, including a 15-mile mountain bike ride with the Charlottesville Mountain Bike Club, a family-friendly walk at Riverview Park, and a five-mile run. That's followed with a celebration from noon to five at the Wool Factory. For all of the details, visit rivannatrails.org. Work continues on plans to renovate and expand Buford Middle School in Charlottesville to accommodate the city's sixth graders as part of the first phase of a major reconfiguration. The school board got an update on the project on Thursday night. In April, Charlottesville City Council adopted a budget for fiscal year 23 that includes $2.5 million towards reconfiguration, with $66.3 million in funds projected for fiscal year 24. That gave enough of a green light for the project to move forward. Wick Knox is a project manager with VMDO Architects. After the city council approved the project to move forward, uh, we worked worked out the next phase um, and started working uh, about May 1st. The school board itself hasn't seen any of these updates since February, but learned that the project is still on track to be ready when the reconfiguration is made in the 2026 academic year. Plans for Buford are at what engineers refer to as the 60% design. Things will really pick up speed here. Um, we will. The goal is to get this out to bid February 1st because we all think it's really important that we have a price back from a contractor before the city council finalizes their budget decisions next year. The last estimate was generated at the 30% design phase and was $76.8 million, and that included renovating the auditorium. 
what got approved by city council was to proceed designing the whole project so we could bid it and see where we ended up and bid the auditorium building as well as certain site amenities as alternates so we would have some choices and some flexibility on bid day at the time that was estimated to be 68.8 knox said the estimate for the smaller version has now increased to 75.3 million dollars and the total with the auditorium is at $82.2 million. I, I don't think I have to explain to anyone about the inflation that has occurred in the economy. Knox said bids for school construction projects across Virginia are all coming back in over estimate, and he expects costs will continue to rise. As such, Knox and his team have suggested further reductions to the design, including not building basketball courts, additional parking, and not rebuilding a walking track at the field that will be removed when construction begins. The schoolyard garden would also not be rebuilt as part of this project. However, Knox said the city will continue to plan for a minimum of a 1,050 student capacity. We feel like we've already kind of 1050 was a number that we already kind of came down a little bit on um, three grades of 350. We don't want to reduce the size, the square footage of the of the project. Knox said cuts made to get from 30 percent to 60 percent have already reduced the square footage per pupil to 141 square feet, lower than the state average of 151. Knox also presented other architectural details, including a renovation that will keep each grade in its own space. If the project goes to contract and moves forward next spring, soon after that it will be time to decommission the existing gym at Buford so it can be demolished. Uh, so I think we're all excited about tearing that thing down soon. Um, and then anything with the garden that needs to be relocated and moved, including the soil, there's some concern about that, and finding a spot either on-site or off-site or a combination between the two. The schedule included in the school board's packet shows that a final cost estimate will be developed and presented sometime in mid-November as pre-bidding work continues. Stay tuned to Charlottesville Community Engagement for more on the design as it moves forward. <laughs> In July, more than 110,000 passenger rides were taken on Amtrak trains whose cost is partially covered through the Commonwealth of Virginia. Amtrak released figures for July this week, and that month was the first with two new round-trip services, including an additional train between Roanoke and D.C. that serves Charlottesville. Around 27,375 riders took the Roanoke route in July. That's up 27% from June. The year-to-year -year increase is 72.1% for a service that also stops in Alexandria, Burke Center, Manassas, Culpeper, and Lynchburg. An expansion to Christiansburg is planned in the next few years. The July 2022 numbers were up 31.4% over the last summer before the pandemic in July of 2019. A round-trip service to Newport News was suspended for a portion of the shutdown, but that has resumed. Mike McLaughlin, the chief operating officer of the Virginia Passenger Rail Authority, said the ridership increase demonstrates there is demand for service. Have you taken the train recently? Share your comments in the newsletter below, or heck, send me some audio. I'll put it in this thing. I mean, come on, let's get some more voices in here. The University of Virginia School of Data Science is currently under construction in the new Emmett-Ivy Corridor on what used to be land on Charlottesville's property tax rolls. 
The school is the result of one of the largest gifts in UVA history, and at least some of that funding is being used to produce a new podcast called UVA Data Points that seeks to explain what data science actually is and how it can be used to change the world. Here is host Monica Manny in a preview episode from late last month. What is data science? Kind of weird that you'd have a school of data science for something that doesn't have a definition. That was Raf Alvarado. In the podcast, Manny will explore concepts related to data science, which can encompass almost all disciplines. The preview explores one model for definition built around what Alvarado refers to as the data pipeline. It's this model that serves as a structure of this series. The 4 plus 1 model is, uh, it's important to understand that it is an analytical tool. And so what I did was I took this uh, sort of composite view of what data science is and realized that the pipeline that was being described is really more of an arc. In other words, if you look at what the, uh, the, the point where data comes in to the system and compare that to where data comes out of the system, they're not on opposite sides of anything. They're actually in the same place, which is the world. The first full episode was released yesterday, and the guests are Kathy O'Neill, author of Weapons of Math Destruction and The Shame Machine, and Brian Wright, assistant professor of data science at the University of Virginia. In this conversation on ethical data science, the two draw comparisons between data science problems and knitting, as well as discuss educating future data scientists. There were 315,000 jobs added across the United States of America in August, but the unemployment rate increased by 0.2% to 3.7%. That's according to the latest report out this morning from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. In July, employment levels had dipped to below those from February 2020, the month before the emergency declarations for the COVID-19 pandemic. To take a look at the numbers yourself, visit the press release. It's on a link in the website. And to learn more about the numbers mean and how they come together, take a look at the Frequently Asked Questions page on the BLS website. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Mark your calendar for the Rivanna Conservation Alliance's third annual Rivanna River Roundup Community Watershed Cleanup coming on Saturday, September 24th. The RCA organized the first roundup in September of 2020 as a safe way for the community to give back to the river during the COVID-19 pandemic. Over the last two years, a total of 245 volunteers have cleaned up 67 miles of streams, nearby trails, and the Rivanna River, removing 192 tires and 213 large bags of trash from the waterways. Registration is now open, and you can sign up for the Rivanna Conservation Alliance newsletter at rivannariver.org. One more segment today, and it's from a meeting that happened last Friday, but still interesting and still worth reporting. The final project in what's known as the Route 29 Solutions Packet is making its way through the last steps of the planning process. Last week, the Charlottesville Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization Policy Board got an update on the status of a future project that includes five separate components at the intersection of US-29 and Hydraulic Road. However, there was talk at that meeting about getting rid of one of those components. 
Here's Sean Nelson, the administrator of the Virginia Department of Transportation's Culpeper District. We've kind of gotten to a situation right now where we're over budget based on updated estimates and some of the things that we've looked at. Ideas to improve traffic conditions at this intersection have been discussed for years, including the U.S. 29 Hydraulic 250 Bypass Intersection Study from the early 2000s. There are books that could be written about why projects get selected. But while planners ponder, engineers keep monitoring conditions. Here's Hal Jones, a project manager with the Virginia Department of Transportation. Uh, currently, there are poor operations and congestion that exists in the area, particularly during peak hour conditions. Uh, there are few places to currently cross safely uh, US 29 in this area. So this this uh, is one of the reasons we're working on the project. The project has a $24 million cost estimate and is moving to the procurement stage, which is when VDOT will put the project out to bid. To get there, they have to spend a lot of time and money getting the plans ready for someone else to construct it. However, in this climate, the project is more expensive than originally thought. Uh, our estimate it's, exceeds our budget. And next month at September CTB meeting, we're planning to ask for additional funds. To step back a bit, the Route 29 Solutions Package were funded after a western bypass of US-29 in Albemarle County lost support from the state and federal government. At the time, the smart scale process that funds most highway construction projects in Virginia did not exist, and the money was used locally for other projects that were in the long-range transportation plan. Some of the funding was left over, and the balance was put toward a suite of projects funded in the fourth round of smart scale. Jones explains one of the components. Uh, the, the main idea here was to increase green time, signal time, for north and southbound traffic by removing hydraulic uh, road left turns onto, onto 29. We also added a protected uh, at-grade crossing for pedestrians with signals. The second element is a green T intersection at Angus Road to keep some lanes on northbound US-29 to continuously flow. The third element is a pedestrian bridge that would connect Stonefield with the Seminole Square Shopping Center. Element D shows a roundabout at Hillsdale and Hydraulic Intersection. And Element E shows an extended shared use path and improvements at Mickey and Brandywine Drive, restricting left turns from those streets. A design public hearing was held in May, followed by meetings with business stakeholders who might be affected. Some slight changes have been made since then, and one of them is changes at the roundabout to provide better access to what I call Charlottesville's middle Kroger. Let's get back to that shortfall. Here's Sean Nelson again. So the question has kind of been posed to the MPO, would there be an appetite to remove one of the elements to ensure that we get the biggest benefit out of the other elements in the project. And the one element that we've been looking at and considering to remove is the green. Nelson said that could be built in the future, but there are also concerns from business owners in that area. Here's Councillor Brian Pinkston. I think that it's a reasonable compromise. Um, I think getting the other pieces done certainly takes us a long, long way towards making that set of intersections um, much more um, useful. 
Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook agreed, as did Albemarle Supervisors Ann Malik and Ned Galloway. Galloway said not moving forward with the green tea might give more time to figure out how to solve another problem. As CBS 19's Carly Simon reported earlier this year, there are three chicken-themed restaurants on one block of southbound US 29. Um, I guess the only comment I would add in addition as we think to that in the future, um, as I know uh, some of you have had conversations about, but figuring out what to do with chicken row and some of the issues that we're dealing with for all the uh, people trying to get cane sauce and what have you. Um, but it is a real issue, so it's something that will have to be that those businesses will need need some help on that side that the green tea doesn't necessarily go to address. Supervisor Malik agreed that this is a problem, that counterbalances infrastructure intended to improve southbound traffic flow on US-29, which is a statewide corridor of significance. You cannot go anywhere when two of the lanes on the west side are completely full of people sitting. It is incredibly dangerous. People call me all the time and complain bitterly about how they almost got hit there. Nelson said VDOT is aware of the issue. Malik also asked about the status of a project to coordinate traffic signals on Emmett Street, south of the U.S. 29-U.S. 250 interchange. In June, the city council officially killed an older project as a way of rebooting the city's work with VDOT. But Nelson said the work is on his agency's to-do list. Um, no, I'll just add to that that we are going to work, be working with the city regarding what upgrades are needed to ensure we've got a synchronized system through there. So our operations people on our side of the house um, will be meeting with the city at some point in time in the future to try to figure out what do we need to do to get those upgrades in and what type of funding stream can we use to make those improvements. Stay tuned to Charlottesville Community Engagement for more coverage of boring things that happen at meetings that affect your life. That's what I'm here for. And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And up front, let me explain that I know I got my math wrong yesterday. That 425 times 2 is not 950, but is in fact 1,083 and a quarter. Okay, that might be wrong too, but either way, I want to thank the reader for pointing out this information was not correct. I am not infallible and make corrections when I get things wrong. I have nearly 30 years of experience of trying not to get things wrong, but being professional enough to acknowledge when I do. You're not wrong if you're interested in signing up for a paid subscription to this program. I am going to spend Labor Day weekend, all three days of it, writing content and hope to have two first look items for those who have made an investment in the work. And if you pay for a subscription through Substack, Ting will match the first payment. That could be $5 a month or $50 a year or $200 a year. At the $50 a year or the $5 a month level, you'll get first look access to some stories on the site, as well as the knowledge you're helping me to keep paying attention each and every day. And if you sign up through a link in the newsletter, you'll get a free standard installation, your second month free and a $75 downtown mall gift card. Enter the promo code COMMUNITY for full effect. Music in the podcast version comes from an entity known as Vrocky, a musical something that you can sample more of if you purchase the album Regret Everything on Bandcamp. Pay what you want, but today is Bandcamp Friday, so all of the proceeds will volley to Vraki. There is a lot for me to get to, as I said, and I am going to continue to work all night and pretty much until I get it all done, which will mean 
a long time in the future. So I'll be back in the near future and you can just find out by continuing to monitor what's happening with Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Thank you and goodbye.